three will where, is where we will begin. And to be honest, I don't know if we'll get back to it, but we'll at least start here so that I do the preacher thing and give you a Bible verse that you can write in your Bible and say, this is what pastor preached, and then we'll go my own way in the rabbit trails that we decide to run down. But Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16 through 21 is a, a common uh, a scripture, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It ought to be something that you have almost memorized. It ought to become a scripture that is just right there at, at the, you know, just any time you need to call it and pull it out, it ought to be there. And Paul was talking to the church in Ephesus. He said that, that he, this is God, this is Jesus, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And to know the love of God, which passeth knowledge, and that ye might be filled with all fullness of God. I like that. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all of the ages, the world without end. Amen. And I know that part is what we, we quote and we read he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I want you to ask the Lord to let your faith grow right now. It's okay to pray for your faith. There was a time when the man came to Jesus and he says, I have a miracle. And Jesus said, do you believe? And he said, I believe, Lord, but help mine unbelief. Would somebody help me pray right now? Lord, I know you can, but would you help me stretch my faith? Would you help me extend my faith so that I may see what you are able to do? Father, right now, you see each person in this building and I know you want to do great things. I pray that you would minister as a corporate body for the church, but also, Lord, would you get down on the individual level our circumstances vary our situations are different but Lord you know everything about us and I'm praying right now that you would increase our faith Lord stretch our faith let us see farther than we've ever seen before into your presence God we know you're able to answer needs right now and we give you glory in Jesus name hallelujah you can be seated There are, if you know anything about your geography, you have the Atlantic Ocean that separates the North and Southern Americas from Europe and Africa. You know that between the bottom of, of Europe and the top of Africa lies a sea that's called the Mediterranean Sea. There is a small inlet that you enter into the Mediterranean Sea from the Atlantic Ocean. We call it the Straits of Gibraltar. And those Straits of Gibraltar on the northern side, I believe on an island, not quite in Spain, but on the, the, the northern part of that, that little inlet, you have a rocky outcropping, almost a mountain per se, some would argue it, but it's, it's definitely a, a, a precipice that you can recognize we call it the Rock of Gibraltar. On the southern side, there's several different people and uh, ways that they say it. I don't think anybody can quite uh, come to agreement on which mountain or precipice is there. But you have these two rocks that as you sail through that inlet into the Mediterranean Sea, you, you can see it. 
Legend has it, and again, I'm not trying to preach false doctrines, so I'll leave it at legend. Legend has it that Hercules, that's the half-human son of Zeus, and, and, you know, you got to pardon me. Now, I, honestly, I enjoy the, the mythologies. I enjoy the legends just as much as anybody else. And as long as you understand they're absolutely nothing more than a story, then it's all right. If you're going to start worshiping it, you got problems. Because I, I do find it interesting that when you start seeing God's stories, and I use the little g for that, when you see God's stories of other things, it's just kind of funny those of you that have tasted and seen the one true God to see what others could worship. Hercules, that half God, half human son of Zeus, the God of gods, if you will, felt so insignificant because he wasn't fully God that he took upon himself to undertake 12 tasks, 12 labors, 12 feet so that he could prove himself to his daddy. And one of them, Hercules, was to fetch the cattle there in, in, in I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Garion, which would have been in Spain, if you will. He was to fetch these cattle. They had three heads, because why not? And um, he was to bring them back. See, sometimes the legends, you just have to kind of roll with it. As legend would have it, that on his way there, he had to cross the mountain that had used to be held by Atlas. As some legends say that Hercules decided he didn't want to cross over the mountain and so he took his fist and he punched a hole through the mountain and that's what we call the Strait of Gibraltar. If you won't believe it, you can. According to Plato, not the silly putty stuff you play with, but according to the philosopher Plato, he accounted that the lost realm of Atlantis was situated on the, e, on, the, on the west side in the Atlantic Ocean, kind of outside those straits of Gibraltar. However, it is said that Hercules at those, that, that strait, that Hercules erected two pillars. Those two pillars that were there, inscribed upon them according to Renaissance tradition, says that those two pillars that, that were there at the entrance of the Atlantic Ocean to the Straits of Gibraltar that led into the Mediterranean Sea, that on those two pillars that, that you can go and research called the Pillars of Hercules, it says that on them it bore the warning of, of non plus ultra, Latin for nothing further beyond. If you will, some have said that those warnings, it literally meant no more beyond. It served as a warning. It served to sailors and navigators that there was nothing more beyond those straits of Gibraltar. You were going to leave the, uh, uh, Europe, you were going to leave uh, Africa, and there was nothing but sea as far as you could find. In the ancient world, there was a very prevalent belief that the earth was flat. Interestingly enough, when I was trying to find some pictures, I realized that that absurd notion that the earth is flat is actually experiencing a comeback right now. And there are still people in 2017 that still believe the earth is flat. And I'm not supposed to make fun of anybody, but I laughed out loud as I saw people try on, on, online trying to explain that we still live in a flat earth. 
I guess that's the end time. The Bible says there will be people who are ever learning, but never getting smart. I know none of you have ever met anybody like that. But hang with me as we walk back into that ancient world where they believed the earth was flat. If you've ever seen any of those uh, maps of ancient times, you would notice that as they would draw the maps, and they don't look anything like what we know the world looks like today, you would see that on the edges of the maps there would be uh, dragons and there would be sea monsters and there would be krakens. And, and the idea was you couldn't go any farther. We know now that the earth is curved. We know that the horizon that you see is because there, as you go, you're, the earth is kind of falling away in that, in that sphere. And so in that ancient days when a ship would begin to sail out too far, they would get and all of a the sudden they would disappear over the horizon. And in their superstitious minds, the ancients would say it was lost, that it had fallen off the edge of the earth. In fact, it was even said that these pillars of Hercules, this non plus ultra, this no more behind, became such a prevalent uh, motto that it was written on the edges of ancient maps, meaning we've already found everything we're going to find. There's nothing more out there. Don't try it. Don't go. This understanding, this, this motto, this non plus ultra was used by countries. And you can find examples of coins that were, that were minted during those early times that it was there. They would say in their mottos, they would say on their standards, they would say on their seals, non plus ultra, no more beyond. Now we look back at that and we laugh at those that say the world was flat and we laugh at the superstitions of the ancients but along with that sad motto being so prevalent in that ancient world I'm afraid that it creeps into our spiritual world as well and there is an enemy, a devil, a Satan that does everything he can to tell you there's no more beyond there's nothing more out there he attempts to get you to believe that you've come as far as you're going to go and there's nothing else left God told Moses you can find it in Exodus chapter 5 God tells Moses he says I want you to go to Egypt and tell them let my people go Moses marches down there and looks Pharaoh in the eye and says we are going to go God says it's time for you to let us go we're going into the wilderness to worship our God Pharaoh shakes his head with all of the arrogance that the, 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 one of the greatest uh, rulers at that time could have made, he says no and says not only are you going to be the servants that you've been, but I'm going to take away the straw and you're going to have to go find your own straw to mix in the bricks and make sure you keep up with the quota. That led to a showdown. God turned the water to blood. God made frogs come, gnats and flies. And finally Pharaoh, he's, he's tired of these plagues and he says, I got a deal to make with you, Moses. How about I'll let you offer your sacrifices here in Egypt. I'll give you a couple day holiday from working and you can do whatever you want to because the enemy doesn't want you to go beyond. And so it was that Moses said, no, no, no. Because if we stay here and worship in our, our bondage, we'll never get free. And the only way that I'm going to ever be able to worship you is to leave the hold that you've got on us. i got to go far away. It's either all or none. Pharaoh says, huh, we'll see about that. 
Finally, Pharaoh negotiates a little bit. He says, all right, how about I let you just go right outside the, the country? Don't go too far. Let me still be able to kind of keep an eye on you. And Moses said, not going to be because I know there's something beyond the prison walls of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 10, you begin to see those plagues of the death of the livestock, of boils and hail and locusts. And Pharaoh, after seeing the decimation of crops and cattle across the land, he says, okay, I've had enough. Moses, I want you to gather all the men, and I'll let them go out and worship. Just leave the ladies and the children behind, because the devil doesn't want you to go beyond. Later on, the plague of darkness comes. Pharaoh negotiates again. He says, all right, I, I, I've listened to God now. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'll let all of you go. Just leave your livestock behind. Moses said, no, 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 that can't happen. Because when we go, we're taking everything with us. Because this is what's going to sustain us. Because we know there's something greater outside the walls that we've lived in for 400 years called Egypt. And it's the last thing that Pharaoh negotiated for the first, or that final plague of the firstborn death comes. And Israel packs up everything and they take a journey to the beyond. I would tell you today that there are many, many situations where the hope of more beyond is lacking. Where you have existed in a state for so long that you've kind of given up and Stockholm Syndrome has kicked in and you've just decided this is what life is going to be. But could I tell you today that I hear a cry that there is more beyond. And I know Satan don't like that kind of faith. And I know the devil says, no, no, please don't preach that today. He likes to erect pillars that block you at every, every turn. And it says, non plus ultra, no more beyond. And you've stared at that strait of Gibraltar in your life long enough that that hopelessness begins to get on you. Let me take you to the book of Luke chapter 8 and verse 40. And I will purposefully not read everything. Now, don't, don't get scared. I'm going to pick and choose what I read out of the Bible, but later we'll catch all of it. Is that fair enough? You know, the Bible says you're not supposed to do that, so well, I'll make sure I, I, I do it right at the end. It came to pass in Luke chapter 8 and verse 40, Jesus returned and the people gladly received and they were waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, or Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come to his house for he had only a daughter, about 12 years of age. And she lay a-dying. And as Jesus went, the people thronged. Now there's other things that happened, but let me take you to verse 49. It says, while Jesus was still in the throng, while Jesus was still speaking, there came one from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. And Jairus instantly saw some pillars of Hercules that said, Non plus ultra, there's no more beyond. Jesus keeps walking and all the way, I don't know exactly what Jairus was thinking, but in his mind, I know he was thinking there's nothing else. The time has gone. The miracle has passed. When they get verse 52, all are weeping and bewailing her. All is there. They're laughing Jesus to scorn. They know he's dead. And I see those pillars with those words, non plus ultra, no more beyond. 
or I could take you to John chapter 11, when a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany in the town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was the same Mary that had anointed the Lord's feet with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. It was their uh, uh, brother that was sick. The sisters find Jesus, they send a message, and they say, Lord, the one you love, you know, the one you've spent time at her house, Lazarus, is sick. And while Jesus hears the word, verse 6, he, he stays where he was for two more days, and then finally says, all right, let's go to Judah. Verse 17, when Jesus gets there, they find that he's laying in the grave four days already. That Jesus just kind of wandered for two days and just kind of sat on his laurels and then it took him maybe two days to get there and, and somewhere in that uh, uh, Lazarus has died. All of the Jews, many of the Jews are coming to Mary and Martha. They're comforting him. It's a funeral procession. They're mourning. They're crying and, and, and they're there and Jesus shows up on the scene and Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, verse 20, she goes and meets him and she said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died and there's some pillars of Hercules that say no more beyond. I had faith, Lord, to believe that you could heal him, but it's gone too far. This is the end. There's nothing else left. When Mary gets a hold of it, Mary comes and she pretty much does the same thing. Her, she's wiping tears from her eyes and she comes to him and says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. What Mary was saying was, I have faith for a healing, but not faith for a resurrection. And there are so many times in our life we have faith for one thing, but when it kind of gets over our little uh, 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 comfort zone, all of a sudden faith tends to roll out the window and we say it's hopeless. There's no more beyond. That non plus ultra existed up until the mid 1400s, it didn't matter what was being said. When they would pull money out of their pocket, they would see that mantra. When they would talk about the stories and the sailors, they were so superstitious. They would lay out these maps that were not at all accurate and they would show those, those uh, 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 dragons and sea creatures and they would say, you can't go any further. There's nothing more. Spain, again, if you could get in your mind, if you could see the map as we know it today, you would find that Spain is there on the southwestern uh, peninsula of Europe. Spain goes farther into the Atlantic Ocean than any other European continent or, or country there on that continent. And so Spain had prided themselves that they were as far as you could go. They put it on their currency. They put it in their, in their early uh, seals, non plus ultra. We have the Straits of Gibraltar. There's nothing more out there. All you got to do is go stand on the shore and you won't see anything else. But there was one man that said there's more out there. There was one man who constantly and consistently went into the courts and went into the, the royal courts of Spain and said, I think we can sail farther than we've ever sailed before. And he was after years of discouragement, after years that would have been sufficient to crush the spirit of most men. He finally got 
permission to take just three boats and go where no one else had seemingly gone before. His name was Christopher Columbus and in 1492 he sailed the ocean blue and he proved to the world, now I'm sure others had met there, but he proved to the known world that those straits of Gibraltar was not the end. There was more beyond. In fact, I would tell you today that it changed the mottos. It changed the map. If I understand my, 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 my research correctly, that the royal seal of Spain right now says plus ultra, more beyond. Magellan sealed the deal in the, in the uh, middle of the 1500s Uh, And he sailed completely around the world, proving that you can go west until you meet yourself again, so to speak. But in Valladolid, Spain, and that's not the way you pronounce that, but that's the way my brain sees it. In that town, there's a monument to the great explorer Christopher Columbus. While unfortunately the majority of that monument is not safe for kids because they didn't know how to clothe their people when they put people on these fountains and these bronze statues. You can't see it probably from where you are. But at the corner, this, this uh, for you it's your left corner. That's a lion. That bronze band that goes up had the words non plus ultra. But if you were to go to that town in Spain, since, since Columbus was able to break through, that's a lion with his paw. He's destroying, he's pulling down the non. And the lion proves that it's not no more beyond, but rather it is more beyond. At this point in my sermon, you ought to be able to almost complete it where I'm going. Can I tell you today that if the devil says there's no more beyond, there's a lion of the tribe of Judah that's able to take the negative, that's able to take the unbelief, and he's ready to destroy it, and he's ready to tell somebody right now, there is more beyond. I could take you back to Jairus' daughter. There, Jairus, he, he's there, and, and, and he's heard all of the problems. He's heard them say, she's di- dead. The physician's already been there. They held a, a mirror over her mouth, and there was no condensation that fogged it up. She's not breathing. He's gone. But would you please let me read to you what I did not read earlier? I would take you to Luke chapter 8 and verse 50. That when Jesus heard, thy daughter is dead, don't trouble the master. When Jesus heard it, he looked at Jairus and he said, Fear not, believe only. She she shall be made whole. And at that moment, that synagogue ruler had to make a choice. Because his heart told him, I've lost my daughter. All of those that were coming from his house were preparing him for the worst. But he was walking hand in hand with the master who said, your daughter is not dead. She shall be made whole. And when Jesus comes into the house, he says, I don't want anybody coming in. Same as Peter, save Peter, James, and John, and Jairus, and his wife. I want them to come. Oh, outside was the weeping, outside was the groaning, outside was everything saying it can't be done. And he says, why are you crying? She's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn because their heart told him. The, 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 the logic said, she's dead. There's no breath. 
There's no pulse. Nothing is there. But Jesus kicked them all out and he took that little girl by the hand and he said, Maid, arise. And the spirit came again and she arose straightway because with God there's always more beyond. Or Lazarus, when Jesus heard that the one he loved is sick, in verse 4 of John 11, when Jesus heard it, he said, Oh, that sickness is not unto death. It's for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereof. When he gets there and Martha's tear-stained cheeks greets him and she pounds on him with her fist and she says, oh, if you would have just been here, she would ha- or, or, or Lazarus would have been okay. It's Jesus that responds. But I know that your brother shall rise again. There's more beyond. Martha kind of steps back, clicks her eyes, if you will, and she kind of centers herself and she says, well, I know at the last resurrection he'll rise. But Jesus said, no, I'm not talking about that beyond. I'm talking about a beyond right now in the present. That I'm telling you, I know that I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe it? And she said, all right, Lord, I believe. Mary comes. And she goes through the same motions. And finally, Jesus says, bring me to the tomb. And they open that big old tomb. That stone is rolled away. And they're saying, Lord, please don't go beyond. Because beyond the tomb is a man in a hot climate that's been dead for four days and he stinks. And Lord, there's nothing more we can do. God, why are you taking us this far? And he says, no, let me help you. He cries out with a loud voice. And from here to beyond, he reaches down into a death. He reaches down into Sheol. He reaches down into Hades and says, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grace clothes and Jesus said unto them loose him and let him go because Jesus says there's more beyond thank you for what you said brother Justin when you begin to talk about Daniel I had thought about that today I didn't it didn't make it into my notes but I like to know that there's something happening when we can't see it so you prayed Daniel prayed 21 days and there wasn't an answer It's not the timing. It's not the the days. There's a lot of us that's prayed for a need a lot longer than 21 days. And you have yet to see it come to pass. But I would tell you today, there's more beyond. See, I've I've just come to the conclusion because, see, just because I pastor the church doesn't mean I don't go through the same trials and struggles and tribulations that you go through. That same devil that likes to whisper in your ear, he loves to whisper in my ear. And he loves to tell me there's no more beyond. He loves to look at circumstances that I'm seeing and he kind of puts up pillars and he says, pay attention, Buford, non plus ultra, no more beyond. Some of you have looked at situations in your family and your marriages are on the rocks and all you see is this is what it's going to be and you've just kind of resigned yourself to living beyond or, or living on this side of the beyond and then the devil has told you it'll never get any better. But I hear a God saying, huh, oh, there's more beyond. 
You've got unsaved children that you've been praying for and sobbing over. And you go to sleep at night with your heart broken. And the devil's erected pillars that say no more beyond. Just give up. It's not going to happen. Just turn in. Throw in the towel. But I hear Jesus saying, oh no, there's more beyond. Some of you, you deal with situations and illnesses and problems and you've prayed, Lord, help me. And the devil erects pillars and he says, there's no more beyond. Don't even pray. It's already dead. It's no more life in it. But I hear Jesus saying, uh-uh. there's more beyond. You know the circumstances you're in. You know whether or not the enemy's come and started erecting pillars of Hercules. You know when he's whispered in your ear and said, why are you even praying? God doesn't hear your prayer. Why are you even trying to assail the throne? Don't you know? It's dead. There's nothing else. Maybe if he would have answered why there was a glimmer of hope, a glimmer of life, you would have been okay. But the situation has gone too far. There's nothing else. It's empty sea. But I hear the lion saying, uh-uh. there's more beyond it's Jeremiah that went down to the potter's house on the word of the Lord and he said I want you to look and there he watches the potter begins to raw to work on the wheels and the potter began to move and that clay was marred in the hands of the potter and I know that Jeremiah would have said throw it away there's nothing else you can do it looked so beautiful and then it all collapsed and it fell down But instead of throwing it away, the potter knew there was more beyond. And it begins to make it again as seemed good for the potter to make it. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, This is the house of Israel. Listen, can I not do with you as what this potter can do? If you'll be clay in the potter's hands, so are you in mine. And I'm here to tell you today, no matter how far you've broken, no matter how far your life has crumbled, no matter how far the things that you thought were going to happen are not there, I see the hand of the potter reaching down and saying, Give me another moment. Give me another chance. There's more beyond your circumstance. I hear Ezekiel, the Lord telling Ezekiel there in Ezekiel 37, where the Spirit carries him out into a dry desert which was full of bones. He walks through those bones. I don't know if there had been a great battle. I don't know if there had been a, 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 uh, a you know, some sort of a, a, of a epidemic that had caused them all to die. But it says that there were bones, skeletons. They were very dry. They had been there a long time. And the Lord told Ezekiel, he said, can these bones live? He was looking at Ezekiel, Brother Chase, and he was saying, Do you believe there's more beyond the death? Do you believe there's more beyond the dry spell? Do you believe there's more beyond the desiccation? Ezekiel had a pretty good answer. He said, you know, I haven't seen it yet, Lord. I haven't seen that come to pass, but you know. I might be standing on the the shore of the Atlantic Ocean and all I see is water. But Lord, you know what's on the other side. Lord, you know what's over those seemingly insurmountable obstacles. And the Lord said unto him, he said, well, prophesy to these bones. Say unto those bones, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
I want you to tell them. I want you to look those dry bones in the eye. And I want you to say, Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you. And I will uh, bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel said, All right. And Ezekiel said, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there came a noise and a shaking and bone came together, bone to bone. And I watched and I thought, wow, that's incredible. And I heard the devil, I'm kind of outside the Bible, I'm in my own imagination. I heard the devil say, that's a good uh, uh, miracle. That's all that it can happen. But bones together is not life. And so I watched a little longer, Ezekiel said, and as I did, those bones connected until there were skeletons laid and strewn across that field. And as I watched, sinews began to grow upon them and muscles began to grow upon them and flesh came upon them and skin upon them. And I heard the enemy say, well, that's a neat miracle. That's all there is. There's no more beyond. But Ezekiel said, nah. The Lord said they are going to live and just because they look like a human, just because they're clothed with flesh, there's no breath, that's not alive. And so the Lord said unto me, are you ready to go beyond? He said, prophesy to the wind. Say to the wind, come four winds and breathe upon these that are slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded and breath came to them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. And Ezekiel said, well, what does that mean? And God said, I'm glad you asked. This is not just some cool magic trick I want to tell you, but this is the house of Israel. And they've said, oh, our bones are dry and our hope is lost and we're cut off of our parts. But tell them there's more beyond. I'm talking to somebody here. You perhaps maybe seen a miracle of bones coming together. But the enemy says that's as far as it goes. Maybe you've seen a little more come together. Maybe you've seen flesh come. And the enemy says well that looks pretty good. Why don't you stop right now. But in your mind you need to understand that's not life. Because with God... There's always more beyond. It's one thing to be formed. It's another thing to be filled. God reached down in the Garden of Eden and He formed man out of the dust of the earth. But there was no life. It was only till He breathed in man that man was filled. There's a lot of us that have a form of godliness, but there's no breath inside. There's a lot of us that make good Christian statues, but there's no life moving. But the word of the Lord says he has come to give you life and that more abundantly. He's not come just to put you together. He's come to let you breathe again. There's more beyond the saddest or one of the saddest scriptures that I can find and, and this is the ending of the story, there, it, it starts back in, in Exodus and Deuteronomy 
that God had called the children of Israel and He had promised them that you're going to leave Egypt. You're going to go through the wilderness and I'm going to put you in the promised land that flows with milk and honey. But there were two and a half tribes. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and and the half tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh was one of the two sons of Joseph. And they had had come to, to Moses after some 40 years in the wilderness and they had said, you know what, we've heard the promises. And we even saw the grapes that it took two men to carry them. And we've heard how it is a land that flows with milk and honey. And we know that it's a good land over there. But you know what? We're just not comfortable going beyond the Jordan. We've lived in the wilderness so long that when it comes time, why don't you just let us camp in the wilderness and we'll build our city in the wilderness and we'll never go beyond Jordan. Now that in and of itself is a tragedy that somebody would get so complacent in their circumstances that they just give up on the promise and they say I guess this is what it's going to be I'll just stay here but Moses said no, no, no if we're going to go to the promised land it's going to take all of us to fight and so when that time comes You can leave your family in the wilderness. You can leave your livestock in the wilderness. But every warrior male is going to come and they're going to fight. And they're going to have to fight shoulder to shoulder with the ones that are going to live in the promise. Joshua chapter 22 says that Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and that half tribe of Manasseh and said, You've kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and you've obeyed my voice and all that that I've commanded you. You've not left your brethren these many days unto this day, and you've kept the charge of the commandment. You fought the fight. You helped us defeat the enemy. But now you can go back to the wilderness and live in your tents and live in the land of your possession on the other side of Jordan. A dangerous place to be is when the other side of Jordan to you becomes the wilderness. God has always desired that should you walk through the wilderness, you're seeing the other side of the promise. But God forbid you ever get a moment in the promise that causes you to look back to the wilderness. Because with God, there's more beyond. This year, I believe God wants to look into your circumstances, into your situation, and tear down those pillars that the enemy puts up, that he erects, that says no more beyond, that you face every day for seeming forever, that's caused you to lose faith, that's caused you to lose hope, that's caused you to lose sight of it, and you've just begun to exist. But God is here today to break down those walls and break down those circumstances and break down those pillars and say there's more beyond if you'll just follow. It takes faith to be a Christopher Columbus. Now we know as as we've gone through, we realize that Christopher Columbus was not the first one to discover the new world. Because when he got here, there were already people here. 
there had been other explorers. There had been Viking explorers from Greenland and Iceland that had made the trek on the upper Atlantic and they had found places in Canada that we know of now and down. They, they, that we realized that. I'm convinced that Christopher Columbus had heard the stories that there was something beyond the unknown. Christopher Columbus's faith began to rise. And he began to long for what was beyond where they told him he could not go. He began to long for something that everybody else said was not possible. And the same is true with you. You begin to hear that there's life beyond the sickness. That there is a God that can help the family. There's a God that can help the marriage. And you've heard these stories and you long to see the beyond. But today... The Lord wants to take your hand and walk you into the promise. We quoted it at the very beginning. Let's quote it again. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. One version of the Bible says he's able to go beyond anything you can pray. And, and desire and ask of the Lord because He is the God of more beyond. Would you stand in this building? I've led you as far as I can lead you. I've led you to the place where you have the choice to see the beyond or you can choose to see the pillars of Hercules that say there's nothing left. I'm desiring that someone would begin to push forth through faith and say, Lord, I know there's more beyond my situation. There's more beyond my sickness, my marriage, my family, my job. There's more beyond those things. Lord, would you do exceedingly, abundantly more than I could ever pray for? I'm going to open these altars because it's up to you to start walking on the path of the beyond. Would you come? In Jesus' name. Can you hear the voice of the Father inviting you to walk on the water? Risk it all. Answer the call and enter it. Now we stand on every promise. We're not afraid. Our faith goes before us. When we believe, we're going to see the supernatural.